the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to another Farm Advisory Service podcast supported by the Scottish Government. Uh, today oh, I am uh, James Orr and I am an agriculture consultant working out of Auchincrove, which is the air office in the southwest of Scotland. Today I'm joined joined by Alexander Pirrie, who is another consultant at the air office, and he is going to tell us about the Net Zero Aran initiative and how it plays into the meeting market demand series. So welcome, Alec. How are you doing? I'm very well, James. Thanks very much for, for having us and, and hosting this. How have you been uh, Have you been busy lately? Have you been getting on fine despite coronavirus? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, it, it, it's a funny thing. I, I record quite a few podcasts and I quite of, often open with that very question, um, asking about, you know, how people are doing within, within the industry. So uh, my perception of how things are going is that farming has very much just had to, to uh, make do and, and, and keep going as is, um, as much as is possible anyway. Um, I, I've certainly been out less on farm and, and you would kind of expect that with lockdown restrictions, um, but the work has not slowed. Um, I'm, I'm quite fortunate in that uh, we've been kept going um, here in the office. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's been business as usual, as far as possible. So, to to start off, could you tell us a little about about a little about your background? Yeah. So, um, I'm originally from uh, from Campbelltown. I have a, a dairy background, um, but uh, I began consulting with the Scottish Agricultural College in 2015. Um, and I'm now working out of the, the SAC Auckland Crew office, um, and I cover um, Aran and kind of the, the Ayrshire coast um, and work with a, a variety of, of dairy farmers in and around about Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alex, for our, for our listeners, can you explain Net Zero Aran Initiative? You know, James, Every time somebody asks me what the Net Zero Aran Group is, my answer's always been slightly different. Um, and I think that's just because the Net Zero Aran Group does have such a diverse range of things that we want to investigate and, and to really get to the bottom of. Chiefly among the things that we're looking at is climate change, hence the name Net Zero. It is more aspirational than it is anything else. Um, I, I just thought that it was a, a snappy title and that we, we should use it. But in reality, I mean, in addition to the climate change, we are looking at biodiversity decline and we are looking at practical steps that can be taken to really build these resilient businesses that is so prominent within the meeting market demand series, that this, this overarching theme. So what, what kind of farms were involved from the start of the project and, and when did the project really get going? The group launched itself in January 2020 and has essentially been running um, for the, the duration of this year, um, albeit under uh, slightly different conditions than I had originally planned for. The, uh, the makeup of the group is interesting. I would suggest that the bulk of the group are your kind of traditional, conventional beef and sheep producers. 
But then we've got a, a nice collection of small farms on the island who are really interested in taking forward a, a kind of range of, of issues. And uh, we've got dairy producers. There are a range of arable producers. We have uh, poultry. We have pigs. So it, it's a real microcosm for Scottish agriculture. When it came to identifying issues that were common and uh, wanted to be addressed by the, the largest number of people within the group, I think we all had to take that chance to sit down in a room together before lockdown was a thing and uh, and really hash it out and, and see what, what it is that's holding these businesses back, what threats there are coming down the, down the pipeline and how we cushion those businesses against any potential impact that the changes might have. So can you talk a, a little about a little about why you're using AgriCalc, why that is a the tool of choice that you've decided to use and what you're kind of hoping to achieve with each of the clients doing a carbon audit on Ireland? And obviously climate change is the big talking point of the moment, um, closely followed by biodiversity decline. Um, which is another topic that's very close to my heart, as well as um, an, an area of interest within the group um, and something that we'll be looking into in the future. When you're talking about climate change, you cannot really get past carbon auditing and benchmarking. And that was something that we really wanted to dive into as part of the group. Now, we used SAC's AgriCalc um, for the purposes of carbon benchmarking. We undertook those audits over this 12-month period, and we now have carbon footprints for the majority of members within the group. And, and that's been really interesting to see that data come together and see what, what it tells us and how Aaron is comparing to, to the larger um, Scottish agricultural sector. I mentioned carbon auditing. Um, it's kind of unavoidable at this point. We know that Scottish government has climate change very much in their sights as far as policy, future policy is concerned. So if you want to be ahead of the game, if you want to be a forward thinking farmer, then you really want to be considering what kind of climate impact your farm and farming practices are having. And on top of that, SEC's AgriCalc does offer some opportunities to really dive down deep into what it is that's making your business operate and where your areas of weakness are. So one of the things that SAC's AgriCalc does that I think is particularly good is it evaluates the opportunity for improvement or across a series of, of different uh, metrics. These can include things like enteric fermentation, inorganic fertilizer use, electricity use, fuel consumption. So th there's a wide range of things that AgriCalc can um, evaluate depending on the data that you input into the system and highlight as a potential risk area for your business. Would you say that the performance in terms of emissions in the net zero Aaron group are kind of typical for Scottish farmers? The uh, The Standard figures do present themselves as slightly better than the group figures and the individual figures that are coming out of the net zero adding group. I kind of expected that, to, to be honest. I, I think it, it would be fair to say that for a lot of island communities um, and areas that are less favoured, um, 
it, it's not unreasonable to think that uh, their, their carbon footprint might be a bit higher, particularly when you're looking at um, the carbon footprint being generated um, in comparison to, to kilograms of output. Um, where, it's, uh, where it's more challenging to, to farm productively, um, you're always going to have uh, some issues there. So you've recently held a, I understand you recently held a virtual meeting with Martin Kennedy of NFUS and Alistair Dobson, who is the Managing Director of Taste of Arran, which is a cooperative marketing group for Lyland. And you discussed the agriculture bill and taking a grassroots approach to food policy. Can you tell me a little about who they are and what messages you took from that meeting? Yeah, well, Martin and uh, Martin and Alistair were both fantastic speakers. We were very fortunate to have them on. Uh, Martin is kind of a man who needs no introduction, um, so I won't give him one. But uh, it's fair to say that he has a wealth of knowledge um, regarding the, the Ag Bill as it pertains to Scotland and the UK. Um, and I think the discussion that he and Alistair Dobson had um, from, from Taste of Aaron was particularly good um, on the night of our, our first webinar in the series. So I would encourage anybody who didn't make it to, to uh, log back in and, and you can watch that recording now. It really is quite an in-depth discussion and it's well worth listening to. So as, as we all know in industry, climate change has really climbed the political and agricultural agenda in the past year in particular. So is Net Zero Aaron just a reaction to that? I don't think that net zero is a reaction to policy in so far as it is a prediction of policy. Um, we, we know that climate change is, is a big priority for Scottish government. And as a consultant, I want to put my clients in the best possible position for the future. So whether or not you're interested in carbon auditing or climate change or biodiversity decline, you know, there are pragmatic reasons to look at uh, how your business is operating and, and see if you can identify those areas where you can make improvements. I, I quite often advocate to clients that good agricultural practice and good environmental condition go hand in hand with one another. Um, another way to, to think about it is if you're um, if you're losing carbon somewhere in the system, you're also losing cash somewhere. Um, so things like AgriCalc are, are great for identifying those areas and really allowing you to focus on parts of the business that you otherwise probably wouldn't look at. On top of that, AgriCalc does provide a series of key performance indicators and farmers love benchmarking and they love to see their figures put up against other figures. Um, so what it can do from a from a purely performance orientated perspective is really quite impressive as well. So obviously, a, a big part of a uh, farming that like being carbon efficient is all well and good, but the business needs to be resilient. So could you talk to me a little about the need for business resilience and the need for the meat and market demand as we go forward into a post Brexit Scotland? You know, when when we talk about business resilience, what we're really talking about. Uh, unsurprisingly, is the the threat that Brexit has for Scottish agriculture, but also the opportunities and the potential for change out there, and, and quite large change. We've seen that members of the general public have a set of demands that they want to place upon um, 
farmers and, and crofters they have some reasonable um, requirements of us if, if we are to continue to manage Scotland's landscapes. There's also been a huge movement for food miles and food providence and, and that's something that we've also covered as part of the meeting market demand series. Um, and at the same time we need to be able to put on a good story for members of the general public. We've just had our producer so showcase webinar and, and I was really happy with the, the kind of content discussed in that. Uh, we had a, a food and drink specialist from SAC, but then we also had uh, a Kintyre local, Linda McLean, who is uh, who is managing the, the Kintyre larder right now and has really become a bit of a community hub. Um, and it's a, a really fascinating story to, to hear from her. So no, I, I think there's, there's good news stories out there and we, we shouldn't be afraid to highlight them and put ourselves out there and get known. Yeah. And uh, when we're on topic of business resilience, since this is a, a farm advisory service funded podcast, I think it'd be rude not to mention the variety of different services the farm advisory service can offer and uh, consultancy services to increase, to identify areas in your business that are perhaps not performing as good as it can be and it can improve. So there is a variety of uh, funding available to get a consultant onto your farm, fully funded, and well, quite a few of the options are fully funded, to have a look at your business and see areas for improvement. Absolutely. I mean, yourself and I both know we've both been involved in the development of, of integrated land management plans and the delivery of specialist advice. And there's some really good tools out there. Um, obviously, moving to, to more of a, vi a virtual delivery system this year has, has been a bit of a challenge. But the benefit to that is that we have a huge resource now that people can tap into um, whenever they like, as opposed to, to worrying about coming to, to one particular meeting on one particular day. Mm -hmm. I mean, even speaking from a personal experience viewpoint, I've got a farm at home and despite being a consultant myself, I still took advice. I took, a day, took advice from the farm advisory service in the form of an integrated land management plan and two specialist advice plans to have a look at business at home and it's been it's been a great help it really has has been a bit of a game changer just having somebody else's eyes on the business and they'll see things that you're perhaps blind to so back on to the net zero annum project so you've, you've done a lot of soil sampling the past year so why was that one of the things to come out of our benchmarking was that uh, inorganic fertilizer use within the group was high and uh there were a couple of reasons why that could be. Um, we, we still haven't quite gotten to the bottom of it, but we did undertake quite a bit of soil sampling. And uh, my current working hypothesis is that uh, inorganic fertilizer use is maybe high on the island to compensate for a, a historically low pH across the island. So that's the reason that we were undertaking all this, this uh, soil sampling. And, and right now, it does look like the island has a low pH um, as an average. Um, we're looking at pHs um, anywhere between 4 and 6.6. .6. So there's quite a range there. I think, if I remember right, the average across the group was 5.28, which uh, I would argue is still far too low for, 
productive grassland, whether it's just grazing livestock or you're cutting silage. Um, so yeah, there's there's definite scope for improvement there. Um, and we will be looking at uh, lime as a, a potential remedy for this, although lime in itself has a, a high climate uh, climate um, has a high climate consequence of uh, of applying but ultimately when it comes down to it I think there's there's no real um, there's no real compensation to be made here you know good soil pHs um, drive productivity um, I, I think that there's a case to be made that although emissions from applications of lime will go up um, that the trade-off in productivity and potential for output sold um, is a is a benefit unto itself. Certainly, that can be argued from a, a financial and farming point of view. Perhaps not in the carbon side of things, but certainly, I think getting your pHs right is a good thing to do. Certainly, some of that, some of the, that kind of the, the budget that's going on fertilizers now could perhaps be moved over to putting some lime on. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I would always hope um, that uh, there's always going to be scope there to encourage investment to, to improve productivity. Um, uh, and insofar as, as Aaron goes, um, you know, a, a rising tide raises all ships. Um, and uh, if we can get some good messages out there, um, hopefully that will, uh, that will spread within the, within the group. The group have a range of other issues that they want to look at. Um, and hopefully we're going to get the opportunity to do that going into 2021. Just as a kind of indication, issues like buying groups, um, herd and flock reviews, grazing reviews. Um, we, we talked about biodiversity decline, landscape scale conservation is something that I'm very uh, passionate about, and, and there are members within the group that are very passionate about it. So there is a range of options there for us to investigate as we go into 2021. So what other issues are the group looking to address, and why are these important? So there are a wide variety of interests within the Net Zero Aaron group. Um, I like to think that, that there is roughly a 50-50 split between farmers who are very production orientated um, and, and want to approach carbon auditing from the point of business efficiency, which is great. Um, and then you have special interest groups um, and farmers that are perhaps uh, more typically low input um, with a, a mind to, to conservation um, and, and biodiversity, which is great. Um, there's an obvious link there, and that's certainly something that, that we'd love to, to investigate. Um, with regards to ideas that have been generated that we would like to investigate going forward, I think um, the issue of a buying group on the island has been raised, and there's some merit to, to investigating that. Um, between myself and a couple of colleagues that, um, that are involved in the project, we are looking at the potential of rolling out um, herd and stock plans um, just to, to um, increase the, the utilization of these key performance indicators and really dialing down on what it is that 
these agri reports are demonstrating um, and you know knowing how to make practical use of, of, of that data. Um, landscape scale conservation is something that I'm really passionate about um, and we do have enough people within the Net Zero Iron Group that I think there's a real possibility of getting some kind of um, discussion going there as well. We talked a little bit about how climate change has, has really climbed the political agenda. Right behind that is biodiversity decline. Um, and I, I think we have something to say on that matter, um, particularly on Aaron. Um, so yeah, there, there's a, a range of, of, of different topics that we'd like to, to take a look at. So what kind of response has the group had since launching? There's no no two ways about it. The response of the group has been phenomenal. I'm really encouraged by it. Um, not only with on, uh, with, within Aaron itself, um, obviously going from 12 members to, to 23 now is, is phenomenal in and of itself, but uh, the the attention that we've gotten externally has, has been really encouraging. And uh, I, I think in an age where we're looking for farmer-driven local um, local responses to climate change, that uh, this kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's limitless in terms of where it can go um, and the people that we can bring on board and, and really share these messages. So are other areas planning to copy what the farmers in Aaron and yourself have done? Yeah, I would just reiterate that we are on the precipice of, of real change here. And uh, the Aaron uh, Net Zero Initiative, it's not groundbreaking. We're, we're not looking to change the world. We're only looking to make those small incremental changes that will have compounded benefits um, and to really safeguard a, a local economy and a local group of farmers. I dare say that our model could be copied throughout Scotland, but the results of that model and that copying would vary very differently. And, and I suspect other groups would come up with other issues that we have no intention of tackling and haven't even identified as issues. So I think that we're moving into an age of local groups, um, and I think that's good for, for Scottish agriculture generally. So looking into the future, Alec, what does the future look like for the Net Zero Aaron Group and what are their plans for 2021 and beyond? Yeah, so we're really fortunate with the with the Farm Advisory Service um, in that it's a really nice platform to, to continue to, to shape and develop our message. So we are currently um, in negotiation to, to continue the group um, and to... Uh, to have more involvement with the, the Farm Advisory Service. My hope is that we can form a, a discussion group going into 2021 and maybe get some of our messages um, and some of uh, some of our experiences out there to, to the broader general public through the Farm Advisory Service um, and, and really kind of take the group to the, to the next level. Um, hopefully, um, at some point next year as well, we will be able to, to get a farm visit going um, and it'll be really exciting to, to get on the ground with folk. I think that'll be a, a real game changer in terms of morale for um, a lot of the farmers. So uh, to close, uh, what do you think is happening in industry right now that people and farmers have to have to keep an eye on and look out for? 
There's so much. Um, it, it's kind of hard to, to pick one particular issue um, that, uh, that I think farmers should be paying more attention to. Um, with regards to uh, this discussion is, is based around building resilient communities and, and meeting the, the, the demands that are going to come in the future. Um, so I do think that Brexit is the big issue of our time. Um, obviously, preparing your business um, for the, the hardest Brexit that you can possibly see. Um, and, uh, and obviously, if it's not that bad, then, uh, we, uh, th then it's a nice surprise. Um, with regards to specifically what, what advice and what information is out there, what, what's happening right now, obviously there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, anticipation around the the Jim Walker beef suckler um, climate report. Um, the NFU has just just recently published their uh, their farming for 1.5 degrees report, um, and I think that uh, as an industry. We are we are slowly transitioning um, to, to a new uh, mindset there. Um, so I, I would encourage people to to be informed um, about uh, about the climate change process and, and about benchmarking, um, regardless of, of whether or not it's using SAC's AgriCalc or uh, or another equivalent benchmarking tool. Mm -hmm. And of course, be open to the to the process, and not just. Not just burn the head in the sand and try and pretend it's not happening. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it would be fair to say that um, you know Brexit was a very uh, divisive issue, um, but um, it looks very much like it's happening one way or the other, um, and and it remains to be seen uh, which way. But it is happening, um, and we need to be prepared for the challenges that are coming down the line. Mm -hmm. And as individual farmers, we can't control too much what happens in the wider industry. We can obviously speak through the NFU and other kind of pressure groups. But all you can control is your own farm and your own business and make sure you're in the best position possible to go into an uncertain future. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. So thank you very much, Alec, for joining me today. It's been a very interesting discussion. I'd also like to thank, again, the Farm Advisory Service and the Scottish Government for providing the funding for this podcast. I'd just like to signpost if it, uh, other fa Farm Advisory Service services. If, there's, if you're interested and if you enjoyed this podcast, there's a lot more podcasts that you can listen to. There's also the Farm Advisory Service YouTube channel, which has got a lot of good informative videos on it, as well as the Farm Advisory Service website which is full of good up-to-date information. So again, I'd like to thank you all for listening and thank you, Alec, for joining me today. Thanks very much for, for hosting, James. It's been a good experience and, uh, and well worth sitting down with you. Thank you. All the best.